We're going to continue talking about what it means to be a Christian or what a Christian is this morning, as we've been talking about for the last several weeks. First uh, Peter chapter 2 is uh, a good place to turn your Bibles to. We're going to talk about being aliens and strangers. You didn't. Re- I hope you. I hope you realize, and maybe you didn't know that you. You are. If you're a believer, if you're a disciple, if you are uh, a fruit bearer for the kingdom of God and a servant of your uh, fellow man and of God Himself, then you are an alien and a stranger here. How many of y'all know this is not your home? How many of y'all believe this ain't your home? I think that almost every believer that I've ever met would say amen or say yes to that. I believe that's true. But I also think that one of, one of the things on our list of difficult struggles we have is living like we're strangers here and living like we're aliens, like this is not our permanent home. This is only, we're only passing through, y'all. While you're turning to your First Peter chapter 2, I'll tell you, there, there, was a, there was two strangers who uh, somehow met each other over here uh, at the river. And they didn't know each other. And they, they saw each other on the, on the other side of the river. And one stranger said to the other, hey, how do I get to the other side? And the other stranger looked kind of puzzled. And he kind of looked at the water flowing by. And he looked up at him. He yelled back at him. He's like, stranger, you are on the other side. That's one of those dad jokes that everybody laughs at just because dad told it. <laughs> I, I, I told you that just because I thought it was funny. Plus, it, the, 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 they're, obliv- they're oblivious to the fact that they're strangers to one another. And they're also oblivious to the fact that uh, where they are and what they're about and what they're doing. <laughs> Their perspectives are totally different from each other. And when they look at each other, they see different things. And as believers in the world, as Christians or disciple makers or disciples our own self, as people who don't belong here, I wonder if we are falling into uh, this trap of trying to tell everyone else where they're not or where they should be instead of looking at where we are going or what we are doing or why we are even here to start with. Right now, I've I've mentioned it in the past, and and I've talked to several people about this on a regular basis. I'm y'all know I'm not from here, right? Like the mountains of North Carolina, and and I think y'all have always known that, and I think most people that meet me know that. But we, you know, we feel like this is our home. We feel like we are here, and we're going to stay here, and this is what we pray that the Lord would have us do for the rest of our lives. We we love it here. Some of y'all are from here, right? But many of y'all who are from here have told me over the years that I've been here that most of the people that live here now are not from here. And they are what you would consider strangers who have descended upon your home, right? And that sometimes is problematic and sometimes it's uh, hard to deal with and hard to figure out what to do with. And it's not that People don't like other folks in general, but it's just that they're strangers in town. You know, 
if any of y'all, let me look around the room. Yeah, if any of y'all were to come to my house, I'm most likely going to let you in the door because you're not strangers to me. But if somebody I didn't know came to my house or came to my home and, and, and wanted to come in, we might have to have a conversation first because that person would be a stranger. And this is, this is where we find ourselves as Christians, right? We, we are supposed to be strangers. Even in a place where we've been our entire life, there are people in, 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 there are people in the world that are born in a certain place and they've never left a certain place and they will die in that same area. There's folks that are born and raised and grew up and lived and died in, in the same county their entire life or the same part of the world and it's just, that's foreign to me because I've moved a lot, right? But it's normal for them. And it's difficult to realize what it means to be a stranger because when that happens, in most communities, there are more homegrown folks than there are strangers, usually. Usually. And it's hard for at least uh, us American believers, to wrap our minds around what it means to be a stranger or to be an alien or to be not from here, don't belong here. God never intended for us to stay here. All of this creation, as great as it is and as beautiful as it is, was never intended for this to be our permanent place. And the, the, the sooner we can get ourselves adjusted to that and the more we can receive of that fact the better off we're going to be at being a disciple being disciple makers bearing fruit for the kingdom of God and being a better servant and it's all based on the fact that we believe right even those who aren't saved don't belong here you know that if you understand that Jesus died for everybody and you understand that the gospel is for every soul. And grace is offered to all who would believe, right? That means no one belongs here in this world. None of us, God intends for us to spend eternity in this place. The question is, why do we, why do we hang on to it so tightly? Why do we depend on it so greatly at times in our life? What is the problem what is, the, what is the issue for the Christians? And how do we start to solve that issue, right? How do we start living for the kingdom of God more than we live for the things of this world? How do we fall in love with Jesus and our Savior more than we fall in love with the things uh, that we need or seem to need in this world? That's the battle. That's the great battle, isn't it? Right? Because we all need certain things in this, to live in this world. We need air. We need water. We need food. We definitely need clothes. Right? We just need stuff. So it's not out of the question to say we need to put our focus on the things, some of the things in this world as important necessities. However... When they become a greater need than our Savior, then we've lost perspective of who we are as strangers in this world. Right? So let me read 1 Peter chapter 2 really quickly. It's, it's, just a, uh, it's just a short piece of this letter that Peter wrote. 
He says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that uh, though they accuse you of of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. So (laughs) exiles or strangers can go hand in hand. Same, Same conclusion, right? Anybody who's uh, followed what's going on in today's world, there's plenty of examples of folks that have been moved away from their home and they now live somewhere, they're existing somewhere that's not their home, right? Plenty of that going on in our world. And it's a lot of times against their will. That's what an exile is. You're moved for, the, for your own safety. You're, you're now hanging out and living around other folks that may not even speak your language. They don't look like you. They don't do the things that you do. And they don't live the way that you live. They might be great people. They're just different because they're not from where you're from. And you're not from where they're from. Right? You can can travel anywhere in the world and notice notice the differences in, in the people that God have created. By the way they talk, by the way they live, by the way they act. The same is true for the Christian. A genuine Christian, a genuine believer who's a disciple, who's, making, who's bearing fruit and, and a servant of the Lord and a servant of people, any, any genuine person such as that will be different than the world. Because they're, first off, they are citizens, right, of the kingdom of God first. Now, I'm, I'm a citizen of the United States of America only because I was born in Lamar County, Alabama. Not by my choice, it's the blessing of God. I just happen to be born here. That's why I'm a citizen. Same is true for most of you. There's a few that come here and decide to become citizens of this great country. And that's great too. But they were citizens of another nation before that. Right? Because that's where they were born. But the believer, by choice, because they believe that Jesus is the Christ and they take action because of it, have decided to enter into citizenship of the kingdom of God. And based on that commitment, if we understand our commitment to Christ, we understand what happened at salvation with Jesus on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, our repentance, our baptism for the forgiveness of of our sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and beginning to be made holy because he's holy and just so on and so on throughout the scripture as it describes the Christian life. It's all about living for the kingdom of God and bringing the kingdom of God into this world and introducing the world to another place, another citizenship. It's an invitation. We're ambassadors We're not only citizens, we're ambassadors. We come here and we extend the invitation to those who are living for the world, who are not yet citizens of the kingdom of God, like the believer. That's what we're here for. That's why we are here. That's what we exist for. It's a short-term citizenship in this world. However long we have, however long the Lord lets us live here, that's how long I have to be a citizen of this, this world or anything in it. And when I leave this world, I think y'all understand this, when I leave this world, when we leave this world, it all gets left behind. My social security card be left right there wherever it is. It won't mean nothing to nobody. That proves that I'm a citizen. 
My birth certificate proves I'm a citizen. It'll still be there too. What proves I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God is the faith that I have about the truth about Jesus Christ. And that, brothers and sisters, is an eternal citizenship that lasts forever. Isn't that awesome, y'all? I mean, if, if we're going to get discouraged about the things in this world, I get it, right? Because we care about our society, and we care about our family, and we care about our freedoms, we care about the things that go on in this world, and I think we should to some degree. But why would we surrender this citizenship to the kingdom of God because we're discouraged about the citizenship of a world that is passing away and will not last forever. The permanent citizenship is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the citizenship we have through Christ. Philippians chapter uh, 3 verse 20 says our citizenship is in heaven. And he says, he says we eagerly await a savior from there. We have a promise that our Savior, the one who died for us, will come back for his citizens, for his children, for his brothers and sisters, for those who believe, for those who forsook the world for the sake of surrendering to him. He's coming, y'all. He's coming, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not. Here's a believer that we're reading in Philippians. Well, here's a believer and here, here's some other believers in this room that are saying, praise the Lord, because we have a citizenship that lasts forever and our Savior is coming back and we look forward to it. Hebrews chapter 11. Here's some, here's some more evidence in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 and 16. He says, all these people were still living by faith. This is the hall of faith is what we call it, the hall of faith in chapter 11. We're talking about all the faithful ones in the Old Testament scriptures. It says, it says they were, uh, these are people that were living by faith when they died. They did not receive th the things promised in this world. They didn't receive them at the time. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, that they had hope in the promises of God. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They knew they didn't belong here. They knew that it, they were strangers here. They, that their citizenship in this world was limited, and it wasn't as valuable as what they had hoped for for eternity. If we're disciples, true disciples, diligent disciples, if we are uh, believers and those things that we study as disciples ring true in our heart and the Spirit of God has his way with that truth in our heart, we become stronger and more wise and more useful Christians in this kingdom and we get more and more aware of the hope we have in Christ and our citizenship in the kingdom of God means more and more to us every day. Isn't that great? That's, that's, how, that's how it's supposed to be going. That's how it is. So when we, get, when we see the things going on in the world that are discouraging or concerning or heartbreaking or uh, stressful, we should always fall back on the hope we have for eternity with Christ. Because nobody in this world, not even the whole world all put together, can do anything to damage the kingdom of God. Can do anything to damage who you are in Christ. Only you can do that. Only you can walk away from that. Only you can diminish that. We need to know we don't belong here. We need to not only know it, but we need to believe that it's true 
And that will help us develop habits of living in this world as strangers, aliens, just passing right on through. That'll help us swallow things a little bit better that are going on in the world, right? We still don't have to like it, but it at least help us swallow it. Because we know it ain't going to be like that in the presence of God. It ain't going to be like that for eternity. Whatever the stress is, whatever the heartache is, whatever the persecution might be. And if we believe these things and we understand who we belong to and what that's all about, that's going to help us live a different lifestyle in this world. Different than what? Different than the world. Different than anything of the world and in the world. People should look at you strangely. Even those folks that grew up with you right down there on Avers Creek Road. If they're not believers and they grew up with you, they should still look at you strange. They're like, that guy don't act like he belongs here. It's because you're a Christian and you act the way Jesus taught you to act. And you do the things that Jesus taught you to do because you believe. Because you don't belong here. You're not going to go with the flow. You're not going to go with the crowd. Because right now, I think y'all are aware that the world is telling people to live in such a way that is detestable to our Lord. And I think you're also aware that there's even groups of people who say that they're believers and say that they're Christians who are just going down that road with them. And they're allowing sin to be okay to do. For the sake of, for the, just for the sake of not destroying their relationship with the world. Because they're, they don't want to be different. They don't want to stand out. They don't want to go against the grain. Because it's a stressful, frightening thing to do. This Bible teaches us that we are to be different. We abstain from 1 Peter chapter 2 again. We abstain from sinful desires. That means whatever our hearts tell us to do that the Lord tells us is offensive to him, we have to make a choice and say, no, I'm not going to be like that because I don't belong here. Whatever your, whatever your temptations are in your life, however great they are or however minor they are, it's the world trying to get you to be like them and trying to get you to feel good about it. Trying to get you to convince yourself that it's okay because you love God and God loves you. And everybody's doing it. All your friends are doing it. Even some of your Christian friends are doing it. So go ahead. Just do it. And the truth tells us, no, we're not doing that. You have to say no to yourself because you understand that you don't belong here. You don't even belong to yourself because Jesus paid for you with his blood on the cross. So you have to say no to the sinful desires. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 says, set your minds on the thing above, not the earthly things. Most of the time we get tempted in the greatest ways is because we're not looking at eternity. We're not looking at the kingdom of God. We're not looking at our Savior. We're looking around the world. And we're focusing on the things of the world. And we're salivating over the things that we think might make us feel good or might solve a problem that God would solve if we would just look at him. 
you see. He's, he's teaching the Colossians in that moment. He's like, look, set your minds on God. Set your minds on the kingdom of God. That's who you are now. You didn't just get saved to, to be spared from hell or just to go to heaven. You got saved so you can belong to God and you can be what he intended you to be. And the only way to accomplish that is to become a citizen of the kingdom of God, to become a stranger in this world, to be different. You want to make disciples? You want to get people to understand that God is who he is and that Jesus is who he is and, and have an opportunity for someone to make a decision to be saved? Then you have to be different than the world. Sometimes you have to be different than you want to be. Because what you want to be doesn't really line up with who Jesus is and what Jesus wants for you. Look at, look, look, look at uh, the second part of that. He says, we're going to let them see our good deeds, right? Just keep doing the good things. Keep doing what the Lord is leading you to do, right? He says, live su verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. In other words, the truth always comes to the top. No matter how much you get attacked for it, no matter how much people say that you're the evil one or that you're the problem in the world or that you have the, the way that you're different, it rubs everybody the wrong way and you're the enemy and you have no friends in this world because of it. But Jesus is coming back and everybody will know what's right and what's wrong. That should get you excited. I mean, that should, that should make you jump up and down and praise God and at the same time fall on your face and repent. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like praising God and then it's like, well, I'm not even worthy to praise him like that. I better lay down on my face and pray that his grace and mercy covers me because... So a lot of times I fail. A lot of times I'm living for the world more than I'm living for the kingdom. Sometimes don't even know I'm doing it and then find out later. Could have done better, could have done different. Way too many people have listened to the world try to tell us what the Christian life should be about. That's the reason I'm teaching all these messages about what a Christian is. To remind us what the scripture says a Christian should be, according to God. Because the world wants us to understand that a Christian is something totally different than what God says it is. Because the world wants you to believe that you can be, you can call yourself a Christian and you can live like a, a heathen at the same time. That's what the world wants you to believe. And they have many, many different ways to get you to believe that lie. And it's, it's a harsh, harsh teaching that have wounded and destroyed many lives in this world. It has, that kind of teaching has caused people to absolutely walk away from God and everything they have ever believed as if God doesn't even exist. And they don't even know they're doing it because they've been convinced that they're still a Christian. They've been convinced that they can be a Christian and live like he doesn't exist. We can live a sinful life and still be a Christian and still be God's children. That is not the truth. That is not what the Bible says. That is not what God's word says. That's not anything that Jesus ever taught. 
The Word of God teaches us that if we love Him, we will do what He commands. First Peter chapter 4 says they, he's talking about the same issue in a different uh, chapter of the same letter. He says they are surprised that you, that you do not join them in their reckless wild living and keep uh, uh, the, their abuse on you. They're, they're attacking you verbally and sometimes in other ways because you don't live like them, because you say no to the sinful things. And, you, and your, your ability to abstain from the sinful desires is making them aware of their own sinful behavior. And the only way to survive that for the sinner is to attack that which is exposing their sin, which would be God of course, working in you, right? So we just, we just keep doing, we just keep following the Spirit of God, we just keep loving people, we just keep loving God, we just keep refusing sin and saying no to, the, to Satan and the temptation, and we just keep on living for the kingdom of God in this world. And let the Lord sort it out. It's hard, isn't it? It's real hard. It's hard every day. Some of the keys to living this different lifestyle is to have different priorities in life. What drives you as a person in this world? What's the most important thing to you? What are the most, what's a list of your priorities? What, where, where, where do you invest yourself? You see, the kingdom of God, living for the kingdom of God, living the Christian life is all about investing. You ever think about it that way? It took me a long time to learn that investing for a long time as a young man i was a spender a consumer that's all i was i spent all my time i spent all my resources i consumed everything the lord put in front of me i never invested any of it in anything i was just a consumer when i got saved i started reading the word of god i started uh, discipling uh, myself and having others help me with that And I grew in Christ and I started to learn about the kingdom of God and realizing some of the things that I'm talking about. And suddenly the Spirit of God is revealing to me all of the resources that you have, your gifts, your time, your your monetary stuff, your money, your things, your mind, everything, your attitude, all of it is for you to invest in something and make it grow. Jesus talked about he taught, he, taught a, he taught a story about some, a guy that was given charge over some, some finances that, uh, of his master, and he was scared of his master, and he just buried it because he was afraid he was going to lose it all and not have anything to show for it, and he got himself in trouble for that because he didn't invest it to make it grow. He didn't do anything productive with it. We are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we are charged to be ambassadors in this world. We're not, in, we're, not, we're not citizens of this world. We don't belong here. So why are we here? We're here to invest the love that God has given us into this world. So that it might produce more believers, more citizens. It might produce some fruit, which Jesus died for. So my question again is, what are we investing in? 
your prayers, your time, your thoughts, your words, your love, your money, your stuff. What's it for? Now, I don't believe it's wrong to enjoy the things of this world when opportunity presents itself. I don't think it's wrong to do for yourself and, and, and have a few uh, things that are for you to enjoy. But if we're just going to build storehouses because we got too much stuff, and we're just going to build another storehouse because we need more room for our stuff, and who cares about the neighbors who need, right? If that's all we're doing, we're not living like we're citizens of the kingdom of God because citizens of the kingdom of God don't live like that. Citizens of the kingdom of God invest in other people. Here's what, here's, here's what makes it easy to invest in others. If, once we realize that everything that we have to invest in someone else is coming from our Father in heaven, there's two things that make me, make me understand this. One, it's not mine. So I don't have a right to hoard that to myself. And two, there's an endless supply of it, whatever it is. Whatever I would need to invest in someone else, the Lord will provide for that. Because you can't exhaust God and his kingdom and the love that he wants you to share with this world. Right? Because nobody is intended to stay here for eternity. This place was not created for us to be here permanently. So why wouldn't God want us to tell everybody, here's a way out. There's something better for you. There's something way better for you. And the only way to get people to invest themselves into this truth is for you to invest into them. And not just, uh, not like you've been coughed out of the belly of a whale because you don't like those people and you're just preaching the gospel because God made you. God said that Jesus died on the cross, so if you repent, you can be saved. All right, I did it, fine, and go back home. That's how that went. A bunch of people got saved from that sermon, by the way, but the preacher didn't enjoy that. He had no blessings whatsoever. No, he's talking about being like Peter and Paul and Timothy. Be willing to die so that people in this world can know Jesus. Be willing to die because you're so, uh, you're so consumed and so uh, on fire for your citizenship and, the, and the, the fact that you don't even deserve it, that you, and it's for everybody, and you get excited. It's like, hey, 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 look, here's the best thing in this world. It, 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 you want to know why traffic is so bad most of the time out here? It's because something's happening on the other side of the interstate that everybody wants to look at. They think they're going to miss out on something exciting. It's like, ooh, I got to see that. I got I to gotta be a witness to that. Everybody wants to know what there is to get excited about. Just try this one time. One day... When you and your family are out somewhere in, a, in, a, in, a, in public, just stand on a corner somewhere and just act like you're excited about something. And then huddle up and act like you're excited. See how many people come see what you're excited about. You'll get a small crowd. You'll get a few people say, hey, what's going on over here? If you're excited about your citizenship in the kingdom of God, you will draw attention. People will come to at least hear what you're excited about i got to find out what's, what's driving that person. i got to find out what's happening. 
The priorities. Matthew chapter 6, here it is. Don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break, break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. Here's the key to it all. Key to it all, y'all. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Talk is cheap, isn't it? Hello? You can say you love the Lord all you want to. You can say I'm Christian all you want to. You can say I believe all you want to. You can say amen to every sermon I ever preach. And I'd appreciate it, but if, if you're not living it, then is your heart even in it? Right? You're not invested in it. You're not, you're not invested if you're not excited about it. Can't wait to tell somebody else about it. I can promise you, if I find a good barbecue joint around the corner, I'm going to let everybody know about it. Because I love barbecue. <laughs> Why shouldn't I be talking about Jesus a million times more than that? Why shouldn't I be living like somebody died for me? Like I don't belong here. How many of y'all love some things about the world? Creation and looking at creation and walking around in the woods and going on vacation and enjoying what God's done and even enjoying some of the things that God has created and he's given us the ability to do with it. There's a lot of cool things in the world, isn't there? Sometimes we get overwhelmed by the negative things in this world that is a, that's really a result of the decay of this world. The world is in decay. It's dying. Why would I cling to a sinking ship? If I know the ship is going down, why would I cling to it and love it like I need it so badly? When it's failing me. Because if I go down with the ship, I'm going to go down with it. I'm going to die. That's the gospel. People that reject Jesus as Lord and Savior... They reject the gospel and say, no, it's not for me. I don't believe it. They're wrapping their arms around a dying ship, a sinking ship, and they're saying, I'm good right here. And they think they're the captain of that ship, and they think they're going to make it all right. Suddenly, when they can't breathe because they're at the bottom of an ocean, and they're still clinging to that ship that they think is good, Maybe then they'll realize that they should have took the lifeboat. Maybe then they should have realized that maybe being a citizen of this world or being sold out to this world, it wasn't really the best choice, the best idea, the best thought. Here's something. Here's the result. Uh-oh. Here's the result. That should say we have a different hope. I thought I had the same slide twice, but we don't. It's the right scripture, different words. should say the different, we have a different hope. People that don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, people that don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, they reject God and all of his kingdom, they have put their hope in themselves and what, whatever they believe this planet is all about. The sad thing is, is they've, they've, put, they've, put every, they've invested everything in a bank that's already failing. They've invested in it. It's almost like they're just dropping, their, dropping everything they have into a bottomless pit. That they'll never get it back. I was at a car wash the other day, and uh, I use the, the self-car wash thing sometimes. And you've got to put quarters in the thing. 
And I don't know if it's age or just because my fingers are short or whatever, but I can't hold on to nothing. I drop stuff all the time. I drop stuff more than I should. And I got this handful of quarters, and I'm trying to put it in there. And the whole time I'm standing there on this drainage grate, and I'm saying to myself the whole time, I'm like, that's the dumbest place in the world to put a drainage grate because you're going to just drop quarters down there. Then I got to thinking, I'm like, they probably done that on purpose. How much money do they make when people drop quarters down in there? That's how, that's how my mind works. And sure enough, while I'm thinking of that, a quarter goes down in the drain, and it's under the water. I'm like, there goes one quarter. I'll never get back. That's what, it's, that's what it is for people when they're rejecting the citizenship that's offered to them in the kingdom of God. They're just, they're just dropping stuff and never going to get it back. Their souls are going to be lost forever because they refuse to accept the fact that Jesus invested in them so that they could come back and invest in the world. Here it is, Romans chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. says, for in this hope we were saved. This hope for eternity, right? The hope of forgiveness and grace. The hope of everlasting love. The hope of uh, everlasting life. Imagine, imagine eternity without stress or anxiety or, the, or pain and sickness and suffering and go on down the list. It's there, y'all. We should be the most excited people in the world. But hope is, that is seen is no hope at all. We, we were talking this morning in the Sunday school about my early days of preaching and I was remembering uh, last night when I was reviewing this particular slide or this particular scripture, I was thinking about the time that I, it was, I, I finished up the youth ministry position and it was nine months between that position and a preaching position that I wasn't doing any ministry. I wasn't, nobody hired me. I, it took me nine months to get there. And I was stressed out, y'all, because I couldn't wait to serve the Lord. I couldn't wait. I was so excited about doing ministry. I was, I was getting mad at some point, right? How hard is it to serve the Lord? How hard is it to become a preacher? Nobody wants to, and I was just having a bad attitude about it at some point. I was impatient because what I was hoping for, I, could, I couldn't get, I couldn't see it there. And since then, I've been preaching, and the Lord's been sending me places, and he's been filling, uh, uh, sending me to do his work as a preacher, and I don't have that anxiety anymore. Because that hope is, I see that hope now. I see it. I, I got my hands on it. I'm, I'm actually living it now. So that anxiety is not there. But we, don't, we haven't seen Jesus come back yet. We haven't seen what we're promised in eternity. We started our eternal life in this world, if you're saved. You've already started that eternal life. You're just going to make a transition at some point. And every time I do a funeral, I, start, I, I sit back and I wonder, especially if a person that, that were, that, that's passed away is a believer, I sit back and I wonder what it must be like for them. Right? What, what must it be like? Think of the relief you might feel from the pressure and the strain of this world. All the stress and problems and anxieties that come with a decaying world. And then we just step into peace everlasting. If that doesn't drive you to be different, I don't know what will, y'all. If that doesn't drive you to make your priorities about the kingdom that we are citizens of and, and, and help you to be uh, not only 
understand you're a stranger and an alien and you don't belong here, but embrace it and be excited about it. I don't belong here, y'all, and I'm happy to tell you I don't belong here. This ain't my place. No part of this world is where I belong. Thank the Lord. It's not my home. We don't belong here. God had never intended for us to belong here. He doesn't want us to get comfortable here. A Christian is a stranger who is simply passing through this world. Passing through the world with a purpose. Passing through the world to glorify God by who we are as Christians. That's why we're here. Here it is, final, final verse, final scripture for the day. First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. That's an alarming statement. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Those are the things that if we love the world, we invest everything in. And if that's what we do, then we don't love the Father. And we're not citizens of the kingdom of God. Look what it says. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God, that's who will live forever. Be careful. Be careful that we don't sit back and read that scripture and leave here and get in our car and say, and be so convicted and say, we got to start doing the will of God. we got to start trying harder to do the will of God. No, no, no. If you believe, you will be more diligent about being a disciple, about studying the ways of Jesus, about learning what it means to be a believer, and then letting the Spirit of God develop fruit in your life. So that you can be a great servant for the kingdom of God. And if those things are in place and continue to grow in your life, you will do the will of God. That's a result of who you are as a Christian. Whoever does the will of God, it's, it's happening because you actually genuinely love God. And you're genuinely growing in Christ and you're being made holy because he's holy. And you're surrendering to him more and more every day. That's the reason why scripture teaches us, Jesus himself taught us, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll make it happen. He means, if you're living the way I'm teaching you, then you're bearing fruit and you're becoming a servant and God is using you in great ways, and his will will be done in your life. Everything that you desire to do will be lined up with his will. So why wouldn't he answer your prayers? Right? Lord, help me serve one more time. Lord, help me praise you one more time. Lord, help me get away from these sinful things. That's the will of God, so of course the answer is going to be there. Of course it falls in line with, with him. Isn't it awesome, y'all? When you think about the details of who we are and what it's about, we don't belong here. So don't get comfortable. So the next time any church wants to argue about the air conditioning or the heat or the pews or the chairs, we're going to have this conversation again because we ain't getting comfortable because we don't belong here. I love you and the Lord loves you. You've heard the gospel. If you need to make a decision, let's come down here and do it.